Willkommen to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is season two, episode 2.06. This episode, we're looking at the fifth question of Know Thyself. What are your strengths and weaknesses? My name is Shannon Wesley Kirkpatrick, and I am the designer of the Know Thyself uh, process. And my name is Zach Rios, and I am a student at Liberty University studying youth ministry and pastoral leadership. So Zach, can you uh, recap for us the last session on methods or personality styles? I would love to. Thank so you. last week, we talked about methods and personality styles and we went through a lot of different personality tests we went through like the disc profile learning style strength finders kiersey uh, love languages even in spiritual roles and we really did that to find out just figure out how you do life and how i do life and how figuring out just how we're wired to respond to situations mm -hmm. and so we went through that and it was really i mean i had a lot of fun going through that when i was going through the process and uh, just doing all of those different personality tests and just figuring out just another facet of uh, ourselves. Yeah, so hopefully if you're listening to this entire season and you listened to the last episode already, you've taken the test, and I hope I hope uh, you got some confirmation on some things. It's been fun watching um, people go through that. Mm -hmm. So I, recently we had someone go through, and she always felt that she was just very different um, and that there was nobody like her, mm -hmm. kind of for her inner strengths and her weaknesses, you know. And so when she was taking the personality test, I think it was Kiersey uh, was the specific one, um, and it was describing her, hmm. you know, one of the, one of the categories. And, and so she told me, she's like, this is so amazing that, that there are people like me, you know, yeah. and it was one of the smaller percentage ones. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was very comforting for her knowing that, um, she's that not crazy. She's not crazy. And mm -hmm. she's not, you know, I mean, we're all unique, but she's not like in, in this world on her own. You know, uh, I also had somebody go through, <laughs> know they self and they don't like to be pegged. You know, and so they like taking tests and the test always conflicting, you know, kind of deal. Mm -hmm. they, don't like, they don't like, you know, nobody puts baby in a box kind of thing. <laughs> and um, and so she was taking it. And as we were going through the process, she was getting more and more frustrated because all the answers were showing all these patterns. Mm -hmm. And she didn't didn't necessarily like that, you know, at first because um, she wanted to take credit for all of her successes. Mm -hmm. And so a, most of these tests are, are showing how you're wired genetically. And so she was realizing, oh, this is a genetic level thing. Now, you know, so it, was, it was interesting to watch her go through all that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so now let's continue um, to, the, to the next question. And we're going to keep in the vein of the methods and personality styles. And we're going to look specifically at your strengths and weaknesses this week. And so there's five layers or five kind of categories to this. Three of them are fall under strengths, and then two of them fall under weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So you have natural talents. I'll just list them out. You have natural talents, acquired skills, spiritual gifts, and then you also have bad habits, and then you have your core weaknesses or muddy fields is the terminology you know that we use. Mm -hmm. uh, and so explaining each of those, the natural talents, these are the, the skills and strengths that you're born with, that they are, they're, they're genetic. Yeah. So like when somebody asks you, how do you do that so well? You kind of shrug, like, I don't know, it just, it just kind of happens, mm -hmm. you know. You, you see like uh, kids at a young age, you see those natural talents starting to emerge. It's really cool to watch. Um, and, and then compare that to acquired skills. So the acquired skills, they're things that you're good at, but not naturally. It's because you put the time and effort into learning them. Mm -hmm. So, for example, pian uh, uh, pianist, right, piano playing, for some people it's a natural skill. It's just innate. Boom, they yep. know it. Others, it was an acquired skill that, that, that they learned through practice and, 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 uh, and repetition. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have spiritual gifts. And so spiritual gifts are those strengths or talents that the Holy Spirit embeds within you after you become a believer. There's debate on, on when exactly that happens, and we'll, we won't go, go into that right yeah, now. Yeah, we won't rabbit <laughs> on that. Um, but the Holy Spirit gives you those gifts after you choose to confess Jesus as Lord, and the Holy Spirit comes to, to reside within you. The Holy Spirit gifts you with some mm -hmm. cool things. Um, and, and these gifts are specifically tied to the, to the kingdom building. So, for example, one might have a natural talent of teaching, mm -hmm. and somebody else may have a spiritual gift of teaching. And so the spiritual gift of teaching is that you can teach scripture and you can teach biblical truths. Um, now, normally, if somebody has the spiritual gift of teaching, they probably also have the natural talent of teaching, but there's a slight nuance, right, mm -hmm. uh, uh, between those. Um, and, and we're going to discuss more on that shortly. Uh, and then you have bad habits. So bad habits are those weaknesses that you've kind of picked up uh, over time, maybe hanging out with the wrong person or, or dealing with stress or whatever, and they usually cause some kind of minor issues. Sure. And with a little bit of intentionality and effort, you can get rid of them you know, and, and fix it. 
And then you have those core weaknesses or muddy fields. Now, we actually, this this one is so important to us. I know both you and I, mm-hmm. this is a passionate topic. We spent a whole episode in season one on this. And so that it was episode 1.07. Yep. So I, if, if, if you're listening and you haven't uh, listened to season one and this kind of stuff's intriguing you, go back and listen to episode 1.07 on muddy fields. It's such a core part of how I see life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's talking about those core deep struggles that, that are, are part of how you're wired. And, and what I believe is you're, you're always going to wrestle with them this side of the gates. And, and, and we'll explain why that shortly. But Yeah, and with that whole just idea of Muddy Fields, um, we are both really passionate about it. And I do believe that that was our longest podcast that yeah, we've like recorded. Yeah, hour and 10, an hour and 11 minutes. Um, and so it's definitely, we would both really encourage you to look back on that because that'll just give you the really some practical steps and just some different ways of looking at things so you can begin to work through your Muddy Fields. Mm-hmm. Not that they'll disappear or anything like right. that, right. Um, but it'll actually really give you some feet to stand on in order to actually start working through those yeah, yeah, issues. Yeah. All right. So let's discuss these. So you're listening you're, and you're trying to identify your strengths and weaknesses. What's the first thing you need to do? The first thing you want to do is you want to identify your natural talents. Now, there's no specific test for this mm-hmm. like we had with the personality test in, in the last episode. Well, I, I'm sure there's probably some website Somewhere. that does natural yeah. talents. But for us right now, we're just going to have you self-identify them, uh, you, you, you the listener. Um, and so so what, we, what you're doing is you're looking for what are those things that you're naturally easy, good at that just come easily to you and that you enjoy doing. And you can do it through self-identification. It also really helps to ask friends and family. So those indiv- or even coworkers, but those individuals that have known you for a length of time and they know you pretty well, yeah. you could send this out via text or face-to-face or email smoke signals if you don't live, <laughs> live in North Dakota or whatever. However, um, however you want to do that. I just watched... Um, um, uh, designated survivor, and it was, they had they were in North Dakota. Was what I thought of that. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you can ask them. And say, so this is the question: Say, listen, what are the some of the attitudes or attributes or actions or skills that have most consistently impressed you ab- about me? Mm-hmm. This can be an awkward question, right? How do I impress you? <laughs> um, but but you're, you can explain that you know you're going through this know the self process, and mm-hmm. so I'm trying to find my natural talents, and sometimes we're too close to ourselves to see them. Mm-hmm. And other people can observe it. So you can ask them, so what, what's something you've always admired uh, about me? You know, again, it could be an attitude, it could be an, a skill, an action, whatever, um, but some strength that you think I have. Uh, and, and, and let that show to you. And by the way, you'll be, this happens all the time, you'll be really surprised. You'll have, you know, you'll, you might ask four, five, six, seven close people. Yeah. And like, like five of them all, you know, they, they usually give you a couple things. Um, five of them will all say the same thing that you've never thought of. But those five see it. And this goes back to, I think, something you said last episode about how you how you really are versus how you show yourself to the world mm-hmm. versus how the world perceives you. There's that whole issue there. Yeah. But if five people are all perceiving something, it's something you should consider. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so so that so that that's what you're going to do um, with that. So what we're going to do is because we don't have a uh, an online test. I have a list here in front of me that we use in the, in the Know Yourself books, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to go ahead and list off um, some of these examples just to give you an idea of of some of some of the answers there. Um, so. For example, some of the, some natural talents could be uh, intelligence, or like quick le- learner and seeing patterns, or being optimistic, or being uh, having wit, or being charismatic. Yeah, or you could be artistic. You could be uh, good at public speaking or writing or poetry. Uh, you could be really self-honest uh, or show empathy or just be really giving or protective. Uh, maybe you're good at like the, the hands-on things like sketching or crafting. Maybe you're really good at designing or inventing things. Maybe you're that deep thinker. Or you're very inquisitive. You know, you ask a lot of questions and you can find solutions. Maybe you're very patient. You're good at giving advice or, uh, or counsel. Uh, maybe you're really good. This is an interesting one. Replic. Replicating. Hmm. Now, and the idea on there on that one is you're replicating what someone else has done, um, but it's actually a talent that you can replicate it, especially if that person's not around anymore. Yeah. Maybe you can replicate what they do. So that's actually a natural talent. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're really good at compromise and conflict resolution or uh, being honest and open and just accepting. Remembering details. That is one that I do not have. Um, (laughs) uh, Being a follower through, uh, focused on others, imaginative, or you could just be a jack of all trades. Is it follower through or follow througher? Um, If you were to say a person who follows through, is that a follower follower through or a follow through? Probably a follow throuher. I likely said it the opposite way. English is such a fascinating language. I'm not good at it. Um, So, for you, listener, 
that just gave you some examples, but the, mm-hmm. the, the world is your oyster here. So what do you think your main two to, you know, don't list out 12, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, what are your main two to four natural talents? And for those of you that are thinking right now, as you're listening, I don't think I have any, um, I want to slap you lovingly. Uh, every person on the planet, mm-hmm. every single person genetically has some natural talent. You just need to figure out what it is. Uh, one example um, with my cousin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him, I'm going to come back to him again in a couple episodes, but he, well, we were doing this a couple years ago. This was when you know, this stuff was all raw and mm-hmm. primitive stuff. And I was asking that question. He's like, I don't have any. Um, and I was like, no, let's think through this. And so one of the things is, well, I'm pretty good at video games. You know, that, that's not a, that's not a natural talent. <laughs> well, we started talking about it. I said, let, let me, and because I've known him all my life, I said, let me let me guess something. When you play a video game, like the first time you play it, um, you can go in and just almost immediately just realize I need to go to this room to get this clue, to get this key, to open this chest, to get this treasure, to pay off this thing, to to win this prize, to win the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he goes, well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, everybody does that. And I'm like, no, you know. <laughs> and so your talent isn't um, video game playing. Your talent is the ability to pick up on all the steps needed in a certain process to get something done. Hmm. And because you have that natural talent, you're really good at video games, you know. And it was just, you know, just eye opener. Right? Mm-hmm. It was really cool. It was a cool moment. But, anyways, so that so that's that's the natural talents. And so so you, you if you if you have a journal as you're going through the season, you want to jot down those those two to four. So. Um, Oh yeah, and so to give you some examples, mine specifically are uh, insight, um, just picking up on patterns and being observant, mm-hmm. uh, communicating and storytelling, um, thorough, like a detailed uh, planner type, and then influence and, and charisma and persuasion. Those are my natural talents. And then mine are like an intelligence or seeing the big picture type idea, leader slash public speaking, um, being influential, and then just passionate. And you know how one of the patterns we've talked about is how there's there's no right and wrong answers. There's healthy and unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So because both of us are influential communicators, I don't know about you, but I can struggle with manipulation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know you always want to go the healthy route, right? Not not the unhealthy route. Yeah, and it's really <coughs> interesting as you go through this. Uh, this isn't necessarily something that's like one of the steps, but. Uh, you can sit down and look through your natural talents mm-hmm. and even the strengths that we found in the last uh, session and just go through and see what is the healthy version of this and what right. is the unhealthy oh, yeah. version of this. And that might be something to um, Ooh, yeah. help you even go through even deeper and yeah, that just can be figure very out more. Encouraging and convicting. Mm-hmm. So that's natural talents. The second one, the acquired skills, we're actually not going to spend a lot of time on. Um, I think it's good for you to identify your, and, that, and this one's easy, right? What are those skills you've acquired? <laughs> what are yep. those things you're really good at that you went through some kind of practice or training to develop? You can go ahead and write them down. They won't play as directly into this whole know self process because we're looking at how God wired you more genetically. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but you can you can put them down. And so what would you say, you know, what, so some of those same nat- same talents, just you didn't get them naturally. You got them through practice. Yeah. You can go ahead and jot those down. Um, so we'll move right into the third one, which is the the spiritual gifts. So some initial notes on this. Um, there's a lot we could say. I mean, we could do a whole uh, episode just on spiritual gifts. I, I've actually done a uh, unpacking, a four-week unpacking on spiritual mm-hmm. gifts, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I just want to highlight a couple things. I'm going to assume the, the listener may not have heard a lot of the debates behind spiritual gifts and all that. So, again, the idea is, is that the Holy Spirit, when you accept Christ as Lord, um, when you acknowledge that he is the divine master, the spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to reside within you, you know, mm-hmm. um, and the Holy Spirit gifts you with these spiritual gifts. This is from uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, the main three passages. Um, but you have these, these talents that the Spirit's given you for kingdom building, you know, yeah. for, for expanding the body of Christ. And so there is a lot of debate uh, on the on these spiritual gifts. And we're not going to go into to all of it. What I will say is, is you know, spectrum, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember, is that episode 1.05, I think, uh, from season one? I believe so. Uh, but spectrum is is a, a great concept that I think both you and I hold to. Mm-hmm. And so on the spectrum, there's basically three camps when it comes to spiritual gifts. There's the cessationist camp. And so in general, there's usually about 19. Um, I hold to 
probably 27 spiritual gifts, but in general, it's like 19 main ones. So if you're looking at different websites or you're talking to different pastors, there's, there's usually these 19 or so they list. Mm-hmm. Of the 19, I think there's five that are the ones that are debated, and which is the, the tongue, speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues, prophecy, healing, and miracles. Sometimes people add an, uh, the gift of knowledge as one of these, which I've heard the argument mm-hmm. for that because it's in, the, in one of the passages. Yeah. But anyways, so the cessationist camp says the other 12 or so exist, those six or seven don't anymore. They did for the early church, but not now. Mm-hmm. Um, the continuous camp, which is the middle moderate one, which I hold to, um, this one is, no, all the, the, all the gifts still exist. God, God has not cessated mm-hmm. uh, any of them. But understand that, that there are very particular parameters with which you can use like tongues and prophecy. Because yeah. what happens is the, the, the more charismatic, which is the third camp, um, will use those, but they won't always obey the rules of like of uh, uh, First Corinthians, maybe it's Romans 12, I forget the, pat, the chapter, but there's certain rules he sets mm-hmm. up and you don't see him obey it. And so the cessationists kind of get mad at that sometimes. And we've even talked about sometimes it's not actually the gift being used. It's just somebody doing whatever. Yeah. And so the cessationists get frustrated at that and say, oh, yeah, they don't exist anymore. Well, no, I think they exist, but they need to be used correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the, the continuous is that moderate. And then the charismatic, believes all the, like the continuous, believes all the gifts uh, exist. But charismatics a lot of times will put it actually an emphasis mm-hmm. on the tongues or the prophecy. And I, I, I've seen some say that tongues and prophecy are a sign of um, being spirit-filled. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have those, you're not spirit-filled. Some can go even so far as to say you're not saved if you don't have it. So that's why I always avoid the extremes and, and, and kind of try to stick with the, with the moderate. Um, but anyways, so, so those are the three camps. Um, and most of the online tests are skewed to one of those three paradigms. Mm-hmm. So either in their test, they don't even include those gifts, they're not even an option, you know, or they overemphasize those gifts. Um, and so it took me some time to find a site, and I did, a, a great one that I'll, I'll give the link here in a minute, but they try to take that moderate approach where they actually include all the gifts and try to keep them just equally weighted. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. Um, so, so that's just some, some quick comments I wanted to say uh, on the, oh, and, and then like when you get them, some believe you get it right at salvation. Some believe that you get it later um, by praying and asking for specific ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do feel that you, I think you, I believe you get them in raw form and you have to hone and develop them. Like yeah. you're not automatically good at it. And I've even heard um, that the spiritual gifts are, uh, one perspective that I've heard is that the spiritual gifts are actually natural gifts, that once you get saved, then the Holy Spirit Ooh, just really begins cool. to take those and just basically bring it to a new level. Mm. And so it's not necessarily like something. Or administration. Yeah. So it's not really something completely new necessarily, mm-hmm. but it just kind of like reamps it. That's what I like that, yeah. Um, and another thing I'll say on that too is, you know, when you ask me, because of all the controversy, a lot of um, a lot of Christians just don't touch it with a ten foot pole. Period. Yeah. And so you ask them, "So what's your spiritual gifts?" I don't even know what the options are. You know, um, my thing is is spiritual gifts are not these optional tools that Holy Spirit says, "Hey, if you want to use it, go ahead." Mm-hmm. They're commanded. Yeah. You know, you're given a gift and you're commanded to use it. You better use it. You know. Um, so, anyways, so we're gonna go through and and just do a quick. And right. along those lines, like it kind of gets to why would you not want to use it? Right. Um, right. If you have been given this gift, um, regardless of where you stand on some of the more controversial ones, if you have been given a spiritual gift, like why would you not want to be able to use a Holy Spirit powered mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, yeah. The, actually, that brings up a huge point that we won't rabbit trail on, but um, on the spectrum of pride and insecurity, we humans tend to go to the two, two extremes. Mm-hmm. So there's certain people that they really wrestle with pride and arrogance, and so they're like they're all about using their gifts and any other thing they can find for their yeah. their kind of glory, you know. Then you have the insecurity type, um, which is oh I don't deserve this, I've sinned too much, or I'm not talented enough, you know, and, and trying to, to realize no 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 this is great the Holy Spirit gave them to you run yeah. with it you know so but yeah uh, okay so let's what we're gonna do is we're gonna. Excuse me. We're going to rapid fire through um, some of these, just because again we're we're assuming that some of you maybe maybe never even heard the list. Sure. And we're going to give you just a quick little like one phrase description of each of these. And um, yeah, so one of the spiritual gifts is apostleship, and and <laughs> I realized, oh my goodness, <laughs> we'll have debate on that one. Yeah. Um, but in general, apostleship is is the founding, building, or establishing of local churches or ministries. 
And then secondly, prophecy, which is receiving God's will and counsel and then just passing that on to others. It's like the two most controversial. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll start off with a bang. Uh, and, a, and a note on that too, there's, there can be a difference between the role and the gift. We, we, we just can't discuss that now. Yeah. But anyways, um, and then another spiritual gift is teaching, which is explaining to others uh, what the Bible says and what it means uh, in a way that they can really understand it. And then we have knowledge, which is just having a knack for understanding what scripture references and passages mean. Wisdom would be the application of that knowledge, being able to clearly understand how to apply the truths of the Bible to our daily lives. Evangelism, this is another one of those controversial ones in mm. a different way. Oh, yeah. Um, just yeah. the idea that you're really good at effectively sharing Christ with others and just proclaiming his message. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on that. Really. <laughs> uh, and then exhortation um, is is uh, effectively guiding someone down the path of Christianity. And this is um, giving them the hug when they need it and giving them the swift kick in the rear when they need it. Mm-hmm. And then next we have miracles. And uh, it, there's basically three different types that we see in Scripture, casting out of demons, the physical and supernatural healing, and then just overcoming the laws of nature. And then this is uh, more traditionally the apostles. Um, and then there's still the discussion of if that continues. Right. Do you know what the... the um, fancy term is for the casting out of demons it starts with an e uh-huh. it's like exorcism or something uh, like well that. so you think exorcism yeah but uh ekbalism ekbalism i'm gonna so say that. it was close yeah there's your there's your um <laughs> fun fact two sets of, yeah, of knowledge for the day <laughs> um then you have uh, so healing right, we just talked about then you have faith um and so it seems that we're all called to have faith mm-hmm. but the spiritual gift is excelling and trusting in god for the details of the situation showing no fear and instead just rejoicing at, with that supernatural peace and then next we have serving or service, and that's just really effectively being able to see the needs of others and then going and meeting those needs. Then you have mercy or compassion, and this is, again, we're all called to show it. Those with the gifts, uh, the gift of it can easily forgive others and showing that compassion and grace readily and fully, including to the victimizer. Hmm. And then next, shepherding or pastoring, and there's a lot really that's included in this, mm-hmm. just being a shepherd over a flock, tending to their spiritual Uh, and sometimes physical needs, praying, encouraging, guiding, protecting, nourishing, and yeah, that's just a very all-encompassing one. Yeah, and that one's more than just teaching. I think a lot of pastors today, we equate pastor with teaching, but mm-hmm. it's but biblically, it's not quite the same thing. And that's why I really like that it, the way it's emphasized here is shepherding. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that idea of really just uh, intentionally guiding mm-hmm. a group Yeah, of which is more than just the teaching. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, then you have the giving or sharing. And so, again, we're all called to give, but this is to easily give an abundance of your time, energy, skills, money, et cetera, to help those in need. Mm-hmm. And then next, leadership or ruling, and that's just effectively leading others in ministry, just making the decisions and doing all of the uh, leadership components of that. And so you can see overlap here, like the apostleship and the, and the leadership can overlap, mm-hmm. but they have different nuances. Then you have administration. So this would be like kind of carrying out what the, the leader's decision, so that planning, organizing, and implementing the logistics of, of ministry work. And then uh, speaking of tongues, which is speaking in, it could be either speaking a foreign language that you don't know, or it could potentially even be a heavenly or angelic language during what? prayer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this is one of the ones that's definitely contested. Yeah. Um, and this is also one of the ones that we see the rules in either, I don't remember if it's Corinthians or Romans, but uh, it needs, if it's done in public, it's only if someone's present and has the gift of interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we can kind of group those together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so much to say on that one. Then you have, this one's usually called discernment, but the actual Greek means distinguishing between spirits. And so it's the the ability to see whether something is of God or of Satan or of the of the f- human flesh, you know, because Satan clothes himself as an angel of light. Mm-hmm. And so if you have the gift of distinguishing between spirits, you, and so a lot of times it's those with that gift that can test prophecies to see if prophecies are true or not, hmm. because they can distinguish the spirit behind it all. Yeah. And then uh, next we have intercession, and so that's just really impactful prayer and powerful results. So th- this last set, starting with intercession, these are some of those that a lot of the traditional lists don't include, but I've seen scriptural arguments made for them, so I, I include them on my list. Mm-hmm. So then you have helps, and, and I've heard the difference between helps and serving. Serving is more of like a tangible phys- physical thing, where the help is more of a skill thing. Mm-hmm. So if you have the gift of helps, you can, you, you're investing your talents into others, helping them develop their own gifts. And then next we have hospitality, and that's opening up your home to strangers uh, for entertainment, fellowship, lodging. And then missionary, so God has called you out of your home area to do some kind of ministry work elsewhere in the kingdom. And uh, voluntary poverty, which could be similar to giving, but uh, just really a call to give up your possessions for a dedicated, undistracting call to kingdom work. 
And then uh, celibacy, the God has given you this kind of supernatural ability to overcome your sexual desires and, and stay single for the Lord. Uh, next, craftsmanship, and that's just uh, being able to really use your hands and build things for glorifying God and just serving others. And then the last one is the arts, so music, singing, writing, acting, etc., mm-hmm. um, to to bring glory to God, to teach His His truth, etc. So, so those are the the, the list. Um, what are yours, by the way? My three that I have down: I have faith, uh, administration, and then teaching. And I have uh, knowledge, teaching, and administration, and then. I'm confused on um, exhortation. A lot of the tests show that, but I'm not good at it. <laughs> so I don't know if I have the gift and I just haven't honed it yet or I don't, I don't have the gift. Yeah. Anyways, so let me give you guys uh, a link, and we'll put this in the comment or the, the description section on, on the podcast and the website. Okay. Um, but the website is buildingchurch.net uh, backslash g2s-i.htm <laughs> but we'll put that in the link and uh, and so it's a cool it's a church in Texas that does this website and they've had it around for a long time and so you can go there and so and so what I would say is you don't really want to let an online test tell you what your spiritual gifts are yeah. you want the Holy Spirit to tell you what your spiritual gifts are but most of us really aren't that attuned mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit so what I would say is 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 depending on where you're at with that just pray and ask the, the Spirit to reveal to you what your spiritual gifts are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can use the test as a confirmation of that. Uh, and then also goes back to when you're asking your friends and family like what their, your natural talents are. You can ask them. This, it might show up. It could overlap here. And they might yeah. also be able to confirm what your spiritual gifts are. Yeah, and it might also be work, worth uh, if you are in a local church context and you do have a relationship with your pastor, uh, it might be worth even sitting down with him and seeing if he has some additional insight into what that might be. Yeah, because I would say that, that like, for example, somebody that has the gift of distinguishing between spirits mm-hmm. might be able to actually discern what what yours are yeah so that's that's the spiritual gifts the uh, the fourth one of the five is the bad habits and, and like with the acquired skills we're not we're not going to focus too much on that mm-hmm. um, all I'll say is is do identify your bad habits and then get rid of them simple as that yeah just, it's pretty just easy get right, yeah just get rid of them they, because your your bad habits really shouldn't play into your calling so just eliminate them yeah and if you do all, all joking aside if you have actually gone through and you've identified some of those habits that you do want to start doing getting rid of uh not start doing the bad habits that would be counterintuitive mm-hmm. um what we would suggest is in episode 1.09 of last season we talked about the seven steps to change and so we would both suggest you going through that um, just a really practical list of how to uh, really begin to accomplish change in uh, mm-hmm. and it just gives more feet to the idea of it's just a little bit more than just okay I want to change this so good it's changed uh, we actually give some practical steps on how to really accomplish that yeah good all right so that like that segues into the last one which is the the core weaknesses or the muddy fields and this is the longest one and like I said we spent an hour and 11 minutes on on the episode last season mm-hmm. so really encourage you to go back and listen to that uh, we'll highlight some of the notes here and so if this is the first time um, you're listening to any episode or this is you didn't listen to season one mm-hmm. um, some of the stuff might catch you off guard mm-hmm. um, we, even beforehand we were talking about a lot of the insights and conclusions that you and I and, and others in the unpacking sex are coming to is because we've done like five six seven eight different unpackings ones, yeah. and they all keep intertwining and so it's like given mm-hmm. this and given that and given this and given that and given this and given that mm-hmm. and given these 10 things we would conclude this where if somebody comes along and they haven't processed through all those givens and they just hear the yeah. conclusion they're like what you know and it's easy to if you do hear the 10 given things just like well i disagree with that one and it's easy to just say well it sounds like i disagree with that one mm-hmm. but then even behind that each of those yeah. is a four-week study into the yeah. topic and so just um not asking you to just blindly follow what we're saying, but trust a little bit. And if you do have more questions, go back to 1.07. I believe it's 1.07. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just listen to that full thing. If you have questions, feel free to email us, get a hold of us. We'd love to talk about that more. Yeah, so these these highlights and summaries that we're, we're going to give you now on this issue, 
understand that we didn't come to them lightly. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we yes. processed through to get yeah. there. So having said that, um, some things I want you to keep in mind about, because weakness is what we're getting into is sin here. Mm-hmm. And so some things to keep in mind about sin so that you can better understand this weakness, muddy fields concept. So the first thing is, and this is so frustrating for me because I want to be able to elaborate, but now we can't. Yeah. So what is the, what is the core definition of sin biblically? It is uh, primarily a turning away from God and his good things, and secondarily turning to something else that is pleasing but detrimental. Mm-hmm. And why do we sin? This is a huge issue. Um, but there's several kind of sub-points and, and, and several different factors into figuring out why we sin. One is significant free will and moral responsibility. That, that God, in, in determining how the best plan was going to work for everything, realized mm-hmm. that he had to give man significant free will to choose to obey him or not, to love him or not, etc. And he gives them moral responsibility where they're at a, a lower level and he's asking them to step up to a higher level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that contributes to why we sin, um, because we have that free will choice of choosing obedience or sin. Um, and then also um, know that turning to uh, where man where man here oh we're made of dust, and so Psalm one hundred three the Lord is patient with us remembering that we're made of dust, mm-hmm. and so because we're made of dust we're more prone we have a tendency to sin. Also sin is pleasing, um, and so now as I say that you're thinking oh I don't do that sin because I don't find it pleasing. Well that's why you don't do it. Mm-hmm. But somebody else mm-hmm. finds that pleasing, which is why they do it. And so when we, yeah. if we were to look at your sins, we can find that you do them because they please you in some way, whether mm-hmm. it's gossip or lust or whatever it may be. And that might be uh, a hard thing to actually admit because um, mm-hmm. I know at least initially mm-hmm. it's just like, well, no, no, that, that's not pleasing. That's just bad. That sin's just bad. Well, if we if we are— It is bad, right? <laughs> if we're willing to take a step back and really mm-hmm. be honest, mm-hmm. um, it is— it is pleasurable, at least for a moment, because that's why you do it. Mm-hmm. You don't go and do something like you don't go and chop off your arm because, you know, it'll hurt. Like there's just right. if it's not pleasing, then you probably want to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And so just recognizing that can actually be liberating to allow you to start moving through. That. And, and and it's liberating, not justifying. Right. Mm-hmm. When we're not condoning or justifying and saying, well, if it's pleasing, go do it. Right. Because you, you hear that. Well, if it feels good, then why could it be so wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the thing of sin, you yeah. know. Um, so, anyways, and and then also keep in mind that in addition to that, you have significant free will, and you're made of dust, and and certain sins are pleasing. We also have an enemy that wants to trip us up and tempt us, uh, and so that's causing another re, another factor into why why we sin so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then lastly, if we're being honest, there are potential goods that come from it. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, um, but certain sin to an extent opens up the opportunity for other goods to occur, such as forgiveness and, and mercy. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, so that, that's some of the reasons why we sin. What does sin result in? Well, t- this was probably one of my favorite parts of the study that we did yeah, this... over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so understand that. So what happens when I sin? One, you get pleasure, right? So there's, uh, there's an endorphin release or, mm-hmm. or physical pleasure or whatever. And again, why, that's why you do it. So one of the results of sin is pleasure. Another result is detriment, that it's going to be detrimental to you or another in some way. Mm-hmm. It may be physically, like let's say, say crack cocaine. Crack cocaine on one hand is pleasing, it's why, it's why they do it, but on the other hand it's detrimental to their health. Mm-hmm. You know, um, So it could be a physical, it could be detrimental to your physical well-being or your spiritual well-being or somebody else's emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, So for example, if you're doing a certain sin and, and you're not finding the direct detriment for yourself, but it may be causing an emotional detriment for somebody else. Right. Yeah, like even just as a quick example, secondhand smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, go, yeah. That's something that it, yes, it, it's affecting you, but it also is immediately affecting those around you. Yeah, there's a quote from one of the Big Bang Big Bang theories. Um, Howard's wife, Bernadette. Uh, you know, because she's real short, mm-hmm. and she says, "Thanks for the prenatal prenatal cigarettes, mom." <laughs> you know, it just cracked me up. Anyways, um, another thing that result that sin results in is a prevention of other goods. Mm. So it will bring pleasure, it will bring detriment, and it'll also prevent other certain goods from happening. One of the goods that it does not prevent is God sitting with you. Mm. So if, if if people tell you, "Hey, because God's holy, He has to pull away when you sin," that's not biblical. You know, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So even when you sin, he's still with you. But it will pre- prevent intimacy with him. Hmm. It creates static. 
you know, um, in your dialogue with him. It'll also, we, we found in, in the, the joy and peace studies that we do that sin will prevent joy and peace from coming in. Yeah. So no matter what, you always have God with you, though the intimacy, peace, and sin may go away or be staticky. And that idea is something that both of us would love to talk about for another 45 minutes. Oh, well, we could, yeah. And we did in that other podcast. <laughs> right, so go back and, and so listen. Yeah. If, if that's just, I mean, honestly, if that is something that you've struggled with, like, no, God pulls away from me when I sin, mm. I, I, I'm pretty much to the point where I would say stop listening to this one and just go and listen to that. Sure, I'll go with that. Um, because that is just, it's such a big issue yeah. that we would love to discuss here, but we just can't. And yeah. so we would just plead with you to just give it a shot and hear us out on what we have to say with that. Yeah, because one of our goals with sin is is we don't want to take a um, uh, a liberal condoning approach, mm-hmm. but neither do we want to take a conservative condemnation approach. We yeah. want to take that balanced, biblical, healthy approach. So. Yep. Um, and then another thing that sin can result in over time, if you continue doing it, it's going to cause you to spiral down and decay. Mm-hmm. So sin begets sin. Uh, and then eventually, potentially leading to death. You know, the wages of, of sin is death. Yeah. Um, if you, you're not confessing Jesus, oh, man, if you're a believer and you confess Jesus, your sin will not lead to death. Hmm. Because he's already atoned for it. <laughs> it's okay. So much to say. <laughs> I know it's going to be hard to, to, to summarize this. Anyway, so <clears throat> those are some of the things that sin results in. Mm-hmm. So how do we prevent sin? It's really a short, sh- a short simple, but difficult answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Galatians five sixteen. If you walk in step with the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Yeah. And he says later in that chapter, he says, So now that we live by the Spirit, let us be led by the Spirit. So there's a difference between having the Spirit dwelling within you and the Spirit leading you. Mm-hmm. And apparently, if the Spirit's dwelling in you, you can still sin. <laughs> well, not even apparently. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, but if the, if the Spirit is actually leading you in the moment and you're walking in step with the Spirit, you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is uh, 2, Peter, uh, 2 Peter 1, like verses 3 to 11. And so it says you need to, to tap into that divine power and you need to diligently add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge and knowledge perseverance. And it goes through that whole list and mm-hmm. it finishes up with love. Uh, and then it says, I think in verse 10, it says, and if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will have, I'm kind of paraphrasing this part, but you will have a rich, abundant welcome into the kingdom. So, so it seems that if you don't want to sin, the key is walk in step with the spirit and diligently add to your faith. Mm-hmm. So if you're already a believer and you're sinning, all that tells you is you're not walking in step with the spirit. You're not diligently adding to your faith. Right? Which, yeah. again, is easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how to prevent sin. How should we respond to sin once it does occur? Because it's going to occur a lot. You know? yep. um, this comes from Psalm 51. This is, this is another one I, guess, I wish we could spend 45 minutes on. Mm-hmm. But basically, there's kind of three, well, four. There's four things you need to do after you sin. The first thing you knew, need to do is you need to, to acknowledge and grieve it. And so to acknowledge is just to admit, you know what, Lord, that just fell outside your parameters. I either didn't do a commandment you told me to do, or I did do a prohibition that you told me not to do, right? Mm-hmm. So you acknowledge it and then grieve it. Understand that, that, you know what, yeah, that was pleasing, but it was detrimental and it prevented certain goods. Mm-hmm. So, you, so the first thing is acknowledge and grieve it. The second thing that you do is you receive God's love and patient forgiveness. And so this is like the Psalm 103. Actually, I do want to just quick add yep. just a quick word on the first one. Mm-hmm. Grieving is different than shaming yourself. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. You don't want to just – there is a caveat there, um, and you don't want to fall into the trap of beating yourself up and just woe is me right. uh, and focusing on yourself instead of moving past that to point. focus back on Christ. Yeah, because there's no condemnation. There's no shaming. There's no guilt. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff. Um, it, grieving is just a sad, like, you know, if, if you grieved somebody dying, mm-hmm. right, you mourn it, it, there's a sad lament. So, yeah, have the sad lament without letting it move into any kind of self-loathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then, so as you, as you, so you acknowledge it and you grieve it and understand that, that the Lord has atoned for it. That he's already forgiven you as far as the east is from the west. He's removed your sins from you. Mm-hmm. He's blotted them out and erased them and remembered them no more. It's gone. You know, uh, when Jesus said it on the cross, it is finished, right? Taleo, it's paid in full. Um, And so 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 this is what David did. And this is, you know, David, Psalm 51 is right after David um, had the adultery with Bathsheba and then killed Uriah, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, Uriah was one of his 30 mighty men. Mm -hmm. Um, Another little side note from that, um, Ahithophel, (laughs) most of these names in the Bible I don't remember, but (laughs) Ahithophel is one I remember. Ahithophel was one of his, um, he was an older guy, and he was one of his advisors. And then later when when David's son Absalom was trying to take over and the civil war broke out in the kingdom, Ahithophel switched sides over to Absalom. 
um, and started counseling Absalom. And, and he was the one that told Absalom, you know, David was out, had, had fled Jerusalem. And so he, uh, Ahithophel told Absalom, you should go into the palace and take all the con- your father's concubines, take them up to the roof and sleep with all of them in view of the city. Because that would tell the city, I'm now king, my father's no longer king, because those concubines are now mine. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was reading that passage, I'm like, well, why did Ahithophel do that? Like, why did he switch sides? Well, I ended up doing some research, and I found out that uh, Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. Hmm. So one of the things that when David killed off Uriah and slept with Bathsheba and got her pregnant and took her, that brought shame to the family. And that was one of the reasons that Ahithophel ended up leaving him. It's really interesting. That is really yeah. interesting. Anyways, um, so so so, he, so he, he does all this horrible stuff, and then he writes Psalm fifty-one, and he, and he acknowledges and grieves his sin. He realizes how bad it was, and then he instantly realizes he's not guilty. Hmm. He's not guilty not because he didn't do it. He's not guilty because Jesus, God took it off of him. So he says, "Remove my guilt from me." I mean, it's bold, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, God, I just did this. Can you take the guilt away? Hmm. And God does, right? So, so that second step is understanding that the guilt is off of you. This is why there is no condemnation or shame, yeah. that, that the Lord loves you and he's, he's died on the cross for you and it's already forgiven. So the third thing that, that, that David did was he asked, to, he said, you know, for Lord, please renew a steadfast spirit within me because he recognized I had a weak spirit, which is why I did that. Mm-hmm. So my spirit needs to get strong again so that I don't do that. Yeah. So he says, Lord, so, so one, Lord, I did it and I grieve it. Two, I also know it's off my record. I have no guilt for it. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Thanks. And three, I know that I'm not supposed to do this again, and so I need to, I need to renew a steadfast spirit. And two of the things that he specifically asked for, he recognizes will help with that is wisdom and joy. This is why it's so mind blowing. You think about this: one of the greatest, one of the most important things you should pursue after you sin is joy, hmm. because the the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy is actually a tool you need; it's a strength for you to resist the next sin. So this is like a quarterback throws an interception. He must immediately just bounce back from that. He can't mentally get in his head because mm-hmm. the game's still going on. So when you sin, the game of life is still going on. So you need to get right back in it. And so one of the things is is that you need to find that joy that the Lord provides. And it sounds so counter. Aren't, am I, aren't I supposed to feel guilty? No, because mm-hmm. we talk about that. You grieve it, but once you grieve it, then you start pursuing that joy of just the Lord loves you and he's forgiven you, all kind of thing, because the joy is what you need for that next round of temptation. It's so crazy. Yeah. And, and it's really simple in one aspect, and right. then it's really hard to actually implement. Do, and it yeah. goes against um, really what you, you think you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, which, and a part of it is just kind of like it kind of gets to the point where okay, you've tried the guilt and shame <laughs> thing probably a lot of different times. I know I did for mm-hmm. way too long, mm-hmm. um, and I've actually been able to make changes and mm-hmm. get better with yeah because how the guilt work it, it well what it does my my pastor uh we were gonna try not to sign out too much on this yeah that's the yeah um yeah so i just actually won't chase that because i think i said that in the other episode but yeah but yeah so so there's a lot to it so <laughs> yes. so you acknowledge and grieve mm-hmm. you you receive the forgiveness and the guilt is off of you you want to renew that steadfast spirit within you which goes back to galatians 5 yeah and then the fourth thing is teach us to others so it's really the three things are going to help you. And again, we both tried it, and it's crazy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it works. And, and I find myself sinning less by taking this approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then go teach others so that, that they can do it. So anyway, so, that, so that, that's how we can respond to sin. Um, and then a couple last little notes that, that I want to make on this. One is the idea of discipline. Um, we talk about like God disciplines those he loves from Hebrews. The word for discipline actually means to train or build up. And so less than punish. Mm-hmm. So when we say that, because you know, we use it in the American context, discipline can mean to punish. It seems that biblically that's not really what God's talking about, that he's, I'm training you. And so the, the mm-hmm. analogy that I always give is the wind sprints, which we gave back in the other one, that, that God will make you go through wind sprints, not because he's punishing you for some sin you just did, but he's actually trying to train you to build up your lung capacity so that you're ready for the next four full quarters, you know, yeah. the game. Um, and so understand that God will discipline you, but that means he's training you to be ready for the next round of temptations, not punishing you for the round that just passed. Yeah, and that perspective shift is also just really powerful. Yeah, oh, it's huge. Um, and the last thing with, with God's anger, kind of with that, we did a whole study, you know, last summer on, on God's anger, and it seems that that anger is a tool that God occasionally uses. It's not, it's not an ongoing thing. And mm-hmm. I'll just kind of throw it out there and leave it at that. I won't, won't elaborate too much. 
So those are just some of the notes that I, I wanted to comment on from that last last season's episode uh, on the sin. So specifically for this, for the know thyself and for this question, we're looking at your your core weaknesses or what we call the muddy field. And we can't spend a whole lot of time on this, so I'm just going to give the simplified. Mm-hmm. What we do with the muddy field, the muddy field analogy is that if you're standing in a field, you're tempted. If you fall down in the field, you're sinning. So there's a difference between the temptation and the sin. Yeah. And so we, we said there's basically four types of muddy fields. I don't really, I probably one of these days I need to come up with titles for these. But um, so imagine like that quadrant, right? Mm-hmm. So you have type four, type three, type two, and type one. A type four muddy field are those temptations that you've never experienced. And so it's, it's those sins you've never done because you, it's not pleasing to you, mm-hmm. right? You're not attracted to it. You're not drawn to it. It's like, oh, no, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. So you've so there's there's a certain sins that you've never even been tempted by, yeah. let alone fallen. That's type four. Then you have type three. Type three are the occasionals. So the type three sins are, are those sins that are out there that um, sometimes you might be tempted, so you might kind of wander into that field, certain people you're hanging out with or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're in the field, maybe you fall to the temptation and fall down. Maybe you resist it and you walk back, back out. It's kind of hit and miss each time, mm-hmm. but it's not a regular part of what you deal with. Then the type two muddy fields are, the, are those fields that you used to constantly struggle with, and then God just gave you this complete victory. So it could be at a, a salvation, could be at a prayer meeting, could be over time through counseling, mm-hmm. right? But a number of different ways, um, God gives you the victory, and so that you no longer walk back into that field, you're no longer tempted, so you no longer sin in that area. Mm-hmm. So then we have the type one, and that's what we're dealing with in Know They Self. And so what the type one muddy fields are, are those those sins, those temptations that you constantly struggle with. And what I believe is you will always struggle with this side of the gates. This is where it can get kind of controversial, and so we say go back and listen to the, to the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're dealing with, what, what I really do believe is that every human on the planet, as God is knitting them in their mother's womb and wiring them with the strengths and all that kind of thing, I really do believe that we're wired with weaknesses. I really do. And I know, I know that's, that's controversial. Um, but I believe that it's a thorn of the flesh type thing. So when, when Paul said to, to keep me from getting too big for my britches, you know, the Lord gave me the, these thorns in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, my, my, um, I made perfect in your weakness and, and all that. So what I believe is, is that God has wired us that we're going to have some core struggles. Yeah. And he does that so that we can lean on him. And the idea is, listen, you're always going to have these struggles. And so the goal is not to never have the temptation. Mm-hmm. You just, it's part of your genetics. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk, I've been tempted in every way. So I know every field. Uh, and so I'm going to walk with you in this field and I'm going to teach you how to stand, stand strong and walk well in the field to step over the, the pitfalls and that kind of thing. Cause I don't want you falling. I don't want you sinning. Mm-hmm. And so, but I'm just going to teach you how to resist the temptation in the moment. And then when you do sin, I forgive you, pull you back up and we'll keep going. And we don't like that. Because we'd rather just have the victory and not deal with it. We, we don't like the struggle. But one of the things of this is we understand that if you're walking closer with God with this, then it's actually a very good thing. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of that just comes from a desire to be self-sufficient. Oh, and so yes, we yes. don't want to have to rely on God to work us through the money fields because we just want to be able to walk through life and just kind of have it all together ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if we understand that, to me, this was freeing coming to the muddy field conclusion and, mm-hmm. and recognizing all of us have type one muddy fields and we need to figure out what those type ones are so we can handle it. And so when you identify your type ones, um, the goal is not to like rid yourself of the temptation. The goal is to learn how to always resist the temptation. Yeah. And yes, it's a lot more work, but to me it's a noble kind of journey. And there's a whole lot more that we said on that, you know, from the episode. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do right now is there's, this is now, I don't know of any online test for weaknesses. <laughs> I know that, you know, some of the tests will tell you, Hey, so this is the way that you're wired with this personality profile. Here's some dangers that you want to consider, mm-hmm. you know, things to be careful about. And so they at least address some of the dangers or unhealthy aspects, but I've never actually seen a test that will tell you what your weaknesses are. I think that'd be, I mean, maybe there's one out there. It'd be awesome if there was, but yeah. So this is another self-identification one. So this is kind of the opposite of the natural talents and spiritual gifts. What would you say are the two to three core things that you wrestle with continually? Mm-hmm. And again, now be careful asking your friends and family this because you don't want them judging you. But they may know. You know, they may know. But you were talking about like the the um, the vulnerability and just mm-hmm. the self honesty and all that. They may know better than you, and this is going to be so awkward, but we're going to explain why this is so powerful. Yeah. But you're, you're going to want to ask them, or, or if, you, if you know yourself well, maybe you can already admit this. 
what are those core two to three things that you most consistently wrestle with as far as the, you know, the weaknesses and causing problems? Mm-hmm. So, so we have a, a, a long list here. It's not a comprehensive list, but we're going to go ahead and give a couple examples mm-hmm. just to give you a ballpark figure. So, so one of your core type one money fields may be pride, um, maybe, which plays out in a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. Could be vanity, um, could be insecurity, uh, could be negativity, uh, could be jealousy. Yeah, or it could be uh, frustration or agitation, confrontiveness, uh, pushiness, rigidness even, uh, or unforgiving. It could be manipulation or deceit. Uh, it could be judging or hypocrisy. Uh, it could be um, procrastination or even uh, like a lack of ambition. Or it could be even something like indecisiveness or mm-hmm. lack of perception perceptiveness. I can't speak. Uh, absent-mindedness, uh, doubt. Um, could be uh, lust, could be you know alcohol and, and drugs or any kind of partying. It could be overanalyzing, could be greed, right? Yeah. And so even as I'm looking at this list, I had just had a conversation with somebody who went through Know Self about a year ago, and one of her things was uh, depression. Hmm. And, and we're talking, and she's like, no, wait a minute, are you saying depression's a sin? And I was like, oh, that's a good point. No, I, hmm, I don't, don't, automatically look at all these as sins yeah and i think there's some overlap there but but look at them as struggles so she was able to recognize okay so it's not necessarily sin that i'm depressed or if it is we're not even going to go there yeah but just understand yes this is one of my core struggles and Mm -hmm. so we can still use that muddy filled concept right um so so those are those are some of the examples now i think that that vulnerability and and honesty are are huge Mm -hmm. um to me, vulnerability is one of those things where it's really awkward to do, but really powerful to see. Yes. And so it's yeah. something that I've begun doing as I've done this ministry and that kind of thing is I want to be more vulnerable and I, and I want to lead by example. I think that, that the more honest and uh, the honest you are, the more balanced and the, be- and the better off you are mm-hmm. because you're neither, like we mentioned earlier, you're neither liberally condoning or conservatively condemning. Yeah. And, um, and so I think it's very important to, important to recognize and accept it. So with that, um, mine Could are, I just give a quick note yeah. first uh, and it's interesting with vulnerability um, because I've even heard it said that like vulnerability can turn into a pride thing and neither of us want to go there and no. uh, nothing like that but um, and that's where it kind of you have to be kind of careful when you start maybe asking the people around you you want to make sure that you're asking for the right reasons right and so if you're asking to genuinely figure out where your muddy fields are then we would suggest if if you have relationships where you can do that, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, it's just kind of weird, but if you start getting into like a, well, this is my struggle and I've really been fighting it and it starts turning into a pride thing, you definitely want to be avoiding that. Yeah, or if it starts putting in a justifying, like, well, that's my muddy field. Yeah, you know, we can't, yeah. you can't do that. The, when you acknowledge your muddy field, you're acknowledging that these are some core temptations or struggles that I have mm-hmm. and they're problematic um, and I want to address them, Yeah, right? So my, my three big ones, one is pride, and pride plays itself out in the kind of several sub-muddy fields, mm-hmm. which would be um, impatience and control yeah. and my reputation as an idol, hmm. probably the three, the three there. Second one is lust, very common one for guys. And then the third one I had long said was laziness. But in the last couple of years, I actually realized it's perfectionism, hmm. and it was the perfectionist in me that was calling me, calling me, calling me lazy, um, and that was weird to kind of come to grips with that. The perfectionism was—I mean, I knew that, but to realize to kind of piece through that. Yeah. So, so those are mine. Yeah, and then uh, my three would be lust as well, um, pride, which really mm. can begin to show itself in a lot of different ways, like wanting to win arguments and not mm. wanting to be wrong, different things like that. Right. Um, and then also control. Um, wanting to like be able to orchestrate things that uh, like scenarios and just a lot of different things just um, like to be in control like to be in charge that yeah. sort of thing yeah so so that, that that's just us sharing ours with you so you know that hey you know what this is my muddy field mm-hmm. and I need to counter it so that leads into the the kind of the implication and application of this one of the things that was fascinating and I didn't realize this first when I first developed rekindling but then somebody had pointed it out early on they said, did you notice that all of our weaknesses and all of our strengths directly counter each other? Hmm. And so I looked at that, and, I, and they were right, and then I've seen that literally 100% of the time. So, for example, somebody with the gift of teaching often struggles with uh, pride, you know, like knowledge puffs up. 
Um, somebody with a gift of leadership or administration often struggles with control or inflexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody with a gift of serving often struggles with people pleasing, and so they people please. They serve to people please. Yeah. Um, I've seen people with a gift of faith that wrestle with doubt and fear. I've seen the people with the gift of mercy wrestle with with judging. I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually got to the point where somebody can tell me what their their gifts and talents are, and I can almost predict their muddy fields, mm-hmm. or they can give me their muddy fields, and I can almost predict their their talents because of that opposite nature. And so this is why I think this is one of the reasons why I thought there was some intentionality going on here. That the idea being that God purposefully gives you these core weaknesses Mm -hmm. that directly counter your strengths. So on the surface, it sounds like he's setting you up for failure, but I don't believe that. What I believe is, is God's like, listen, I'm going to give you these strengths, but then inversely, I'm going to give you these, or you're going to have these core weaknesses Mm -hmm. that are going to directly contradict. Because I've had somebody once, this was so funny, this was a couple years ago. She's like, I feel like I'm two different people. Like sometimes I'm very, you know, merciful and compassionate and loving and gentle. And other times I'm kind of this princess you know, just judge. I'm just mean. And hmm. am, I, am I two different people? I'm like, no, we're just looking at your strengths and weaknesses there, you know? And so helping her realize that, that, that that's what it was. And it's interesting that one of the things that we go through in the actual uh, workbook and the class that you go through, um, actually, I think, I'm, never mind. I'm thinking of the next question. Okay. Um, and so I think that it's important to really ask the question of why do we want to even do this? Well, before you get there. Okay. So, um, so, that, so the implications is, so when you realize, when, when you identify your, your weaknesses and you see how they directly counter your strengths, mm-hmm. it actually, you begin to make, make a lot more sense. You're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense why I do that, you know? Yeah. So, for example, the perfectionist and the, and the lazy, but then, like, starting my own nonprofit and podcast everything else, you mm-hmm. know? But anyways, so the key here is it's not about getting rid of the weakness. It's about countering it. So what you need to do is you need to identify what is the biblical counter to my weakness, to my mm-hmm. muddy field. So if my muddy field is fear, what counters fear? Courage hmm. counters fear. Trust counters fear. Love, perfect love casts out fear, right? Love will counter fear. Um, and uh, uh, knowledge, knowledge can counter fear because it's fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. So what you have is, let's say like that, that person, I have the gift of faith, but I also have the type one muddy field of fear. Mm-hmm. So what I need to do is I need to be pursuing love, trust, courage, and knowledge. Yeah. As I'm pursuing those four things, that'll help temper my fear, which will then allow my my um, uh, 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 faith to flourish. Mm-hmm. So like like with mine, you know, one of them is like the administration, but then I have this impatience and control, and I know that impatience and control can be countered by trust and patience. Yeah. And so I need to be pursuing trust and patience so that I can temper and keep my impatience and control at bay so that my administration can flourish. And so this, I love this. It's mm-hmm. fascinating to sit down with somebody and help them walk through that. So as, as you, the listener, are identifying what your core type one muddy field weaknesses are, you go, you know, again, embrace it without condemning or mm-hmm. condoning, right? Um, and then identify, all right, so what are the biblical counters? And and you may not know this, and you can sit with the pastor or somebody else. Yeah. Um, and what are, what are the biblical counters? And so th- this is what I believe part of life is all about, is that it's God said, listen, walk in step with me and pursue these biblical counters to temper your weaknesses so that your strengths can flourish. And if you actually begin to get that mm-hmm. and do that, wow, are you in a good place? Yeah, and it's so much more effective to be looking at the positive ways of countering instead of focusing on the negative. And like, um, so like with what you were saying with fear. Mm-hmm. So focusing on perfect love casting out fear mm-hmm. instead of um, like removing yourself from situations. Or like, I'm not really sure of a good example, but instead of focusing on the negative side of things, focusing on, or like not doing things. Right. So like, don't focus on not being afraid. Focus on pursuing right. true love. Yeah, this is Collar's Solution Focused Counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, so one more thing, and then you can get into to why this is important. So so now that you've gone through these five, and again, we're not as worried about the bad habits or the acquired skills, mm-hmm. but you've identified your natural talents, and you've identified your spiritual gifts, and you've identified these type one core muddy-filled weaknesses, yeah. and you see how they, they play. You, the, um, unpack it all. Map it out all, all out. So do you see how your weaknesses directly counter your strengths and how they can cause so much trouble? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and do you see why it's... It's important that you don't blow off your weaknesses, yeah. that you don't justify them, because they are tainting the good work that you're doing. 
Um, and so, so, and so look at that. Also look at not only how do I counter and temper my weaknesses, but how can I hone and develop, mm-hmm. uh, and, and improve my strengths, my natural talents, my spiritual gifts. How, how can I take them to the next level? And then also you want to go back now that you're looking at this, how does that play into your personality? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to see how, how questions four and five, your, your, your methods and, and your strengths and weaknesses totally all blend together. Usually in the unpack or the know self group, we actually kind of blend them all together uh, on the whiteboard and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, so, so how do your strengths and weaknesses mesh with your personality styles, your disc, your KRC, your strength finders, all that. And then, and then how does all that play into your timelines and your yeah. values and your beliefs? So, so you've hopefully have already been identifying patterns that have been showing up in the answers. Um, and so does this, this question five, these strengths and weaknesses, do they just confirm the patterns? Do they add some more nuances? Mm-hmm. These are the kind of questions you're asking as you unpack all of it. So, so having said all that, we can go into um, why is it important to take the time to answer this question? Yeah, and I think that along with the other questions, this is just really therapeutic. Um, you can really begin to figure out more of how God has wired you and really just learn a lot more about yourself, about why you respond the way you do. And it really can be eye-opening when you start going through this, seeing your strengths and weaknesses, and then when you start looking at the patterns and seeing the complexity of it all. Mm-hmm. And so you can really begin to see how your timeline affects uh, oh, yeah. your the methods that we talked about last week and the strengths and weaknesses from this week. And once all of those begin to play together, you just have such a comprehensive view of yourself mm-hmm. that allows for you to have just a fuller understanding of who you are and how you're going to be responding to things. And so then you can really be much more intentional and engaging life in just the situations that mm-hmm. you're dealing with. Right. And so now we're just going to transition into a time of question and answer and clear up any confusion that we might have caused. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the first question is, what are the sweet and sours in just identifying the strengths and weaknesses here? Yeah, so the, I, I was thinking about this, probably two sours and one sweet that I list. So two of the sours, you know, the, these good things that are going to make you wins. Mm-hmm. One is you do really need to come to grips with your weaknesses and that you can't rationalize them away. Yeah. Um, you you got, you got to face them and, and learn to counter them. Uh, and then two um, is realizing that your strengths and talents, you're supposed to use them. So the this and I put a note here. We look look at the parable of the talents. Remember how there was the five talent person that earned five more, and the two talent person that earned two more, and then mm-hmm. the one talent person. This is Matthew twenty five. The one talent person um, just buried it because their master was you know mean yeah. or whatever. So when they when the master comes back to to give accounts, the five talent that earned five more. Um, got a commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. I put you in charge of a few things. Now come be in charge of many. I think enjoy your master's pleasure, delight, mm-hmm. or something. And then the two talent person earned two earned two more. Um, and then he got the exact same word for word commendation. So what's really cool about that is if the five talent person that earned five more didn't get two and a half times the reward mm-hmm. that the two talent two talent person earned the two more. They, well, if the five, you know, if he earned five more and this person earned two more, he should get a greater reward. No, mm-hmm. because he had five talents to start with versus mm-hmm. two talents. So it tells you that, that you can't be comparing your output and results with somebody else's. Yeah. It's just return on investment. And so God's looking at you and says, listen, these are the talents that I've given you, and all I'm asking you to do is to use them well for me. Mm-hmm. And so if I've given somebody else more talents, yeah. um, you know, and just side note, of course, the, the passage is talking about money, but we can still use mm-hmm. it in this, this language. Um, but, but somebody else is given more talents and then they, and, but then they, and they, that's for them, right? You don't ever want to compare. Yeah. Anyways. Well, and ahead. so it's really just about faithfulness. Yeah. Ab- yeah. 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 Faithful and, and, and reliability there. Mm-hmm. Then the other thing was, is he says to the one talent person, you should have at least put it in the bank to earn interest. And so, and, and, but because you didn't, then you're thrown out, right? To the weeping and gnashing of teeth. So some Christians kind of confuse this and, and they get upset because they think, oh, if I'm not using my gifts, I go to hell. No, what you're looking at is three things here, three, three possibilities. One is to take the life that God has given you and just reject it. God, I don't want you. I don't want anything you've offered me, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera. That's somebody who's rejected Jesus as Lord. And so they're the ones that are thrown into the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, the boat riding Christian, going back to seven stage journey language from episode one of season one, is the person who earns the, the bank interest. So they, they, they keep it mm-hmm. and they put it on deposit and they have it, but it just earns a little interest. So these are the people who aren't intentional with using their gifts or their talents mm-hmm. and they just kind of eat their way through life. And sure, there's some good that comes from it, but not a lot. And so, so they're still in because yeah. he said you should have at least put it in the bank or an interest. So, so for those Christians that aren't 
doing all this and figuring their gifts and their talents out and using them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like a, just a uh, almost an accidental wing it from the hip kind of thing. They're still in. They're still safe. Um, but God really wants you to be intentionally using all of it. Yeah. So that's one of the sours is, is it's a good thing, but, it, oh, you know what? I need to step up. Mm-hmm. I need to step up and start using these gifts. Uh, and then one of the sweets is this was, is going to help you f- kind of find your sweet spot for life. Yeah. It's going to help figure out where you, how do you play to your strengths? And so when you can find that zone of where you're playing to your strengths and you're tempering your weaknesses, man, will you excel? Mm-hmm. You know, and this is where I've been doing the last 10 years or so. Um, and I'm excited. So it's, uh, that's one of the huge sweets. So those would just be three quick ones I'd give. Okay. And then what if people are having difficulty identifying their different strengths and weaknesses? Um, I would say two things. One, let God lead you in prayer. And again, say, God, I- I'm having a hard time identifying what my natural talents and spiritual gifts and weaknesses mm-hmm. are. Um, can you show me in, in prayer? This this is implying that you can hear God in prayer, right? Um, otherwise, you can talk to other people, people who know you well, mm-hmm. and let them give you the feedback. And so if you can't see it, maybe they can. They can help you with that. The other thing would be if, if that's still not working, maybe it's a timing issue and God's just not revealing it because there's other things he has, he has you working on. Sure. And then uh, I feel like we've asked this question a couple times, but it's just really important. Uh, what are we supposed to do in regards to other people's results? So once we figure out the strengths and weaknesses of other people, what are we supposed to do with that? Uh, celebrate it. Well, the, <laughs> celebrate the strengths. Yeah. Um, yeah. Celebrate the strengths. And so when, you, when you're learning what somebody else's natural talents and spiritual gifts are, you should rejoice in that. You should get excited. That's awesome. And encourage them to hone and develop and use those gifts. Yeah. And then as far as their weakness, you need to, and people push back on this, you need to accept that this is their weakness. Hmm. Accepting doesn't mean condoning. Yeah. You yeah. need to accept it and be patient with it because it's their type one. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you encourage them to identify their counters. So if I know, uh, and you and I have gone through this, mm-hmm. if I know what your muddy fields are, it's not my job to be pointing out your mistakes in that, which I have done in the past and I've failed on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to say, okay, you know what? This is his type one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it came up there. Yeah. Um, I can grieve it. Um, but I need to accept that it's his type one and be patient with that and then help him yeah. identify the counters to that, right? That's such the right way to approach it. And that just takes a lot of humility. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. it's just it's really hard to actually do correctly yeah. in the heat of in the, the moment. Right. Um, Especially if, if their weaknesses counter your weakness yeah. or trigger. They're, they're, your weakness, their weaknesses trigger your weakness. Oh, my goodness. So you, yeah. it, you could just go to the races. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's worth working through and having that vulnerability to say, okay, um, maybe even after the fact going, okay, this is where I think this is where I was wrong. This is where you were wrong. And mm-hmm. just actually being able to work through that in a way that you can actually have the restoration and all yeah. that sort of thing. And then one more thing I'll say on that is if, if their type one is a type four for you, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be really hard for you to be patient with them. Because it's a non-existent, I mean, I don't deal with it. I don't struggle with it. You shouldn't struggle with it. So be very careful if somebody has a type 1 that's a type 4 for you, you're not going to be able to empathize with them enough. Best case scenario is it's it's two people that have the same type 1, and one of them has has gotten good at it, then Mm -hmm. they can help the other one get good at it. Yeah. And if you do have any questions about any of that, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you want to shoot us an email at info at rekindlingministries.com or you can visit the website at rekindlingministries.org. Uh, we'd love to just interact with you more. There's more podcasts up there, and just we'd love to be able to do that with you guys. So thanks so much for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Have a great day.